generosity. And uh, right as we start, I want to say thank you to Kathy for all the decorations. You're gonna, these, are, these are prophetic signs on your table, and we'll get to what they all mean uh, over the next few weeks. But, but we want to talk a little bit about kingdom generosity. Let me ask you a question. When, well, how many of you really enjoy giving? Just raise your hand. Like you really get a lot of pleasure out of doing things. And how many of you really like that thing of giving so that you give and the other person doesn't even know that you did it? Do you like doing that? That's really fun. It's like, you know, like uh, I think Bill Johnson says, Jehovah sneaky. You know, like we're sneaky with our, with our blessings. We want to just bless people, right? And, uh, you know, generosity is fun. And it, there is something about the human spirit, our, our, our own flesh and our, the thing within us, that there is such great pleasure that comes with blessing other people, right? You know, it's so funny because as a kid, I always wanted presents. I know many of you are like this. When you're a kid, you want, you want all the Christmas presents, you know, under the tree and it's all this. But as I got older, I found more pleasure in getting a job, working, and then buying gifts that made my family smile, right? It was just so much fun. And one of the things that the reason that is in you, because the, the Bible says this, the Bible says that God has put eternity in the hearts of man. In other words, God is eternal, and a little bit of him is in each and every one of us. In fact, even when we were created, what did, what did they say in, in the book of Genesis, right at the very beginning? In the beginning. Thank you, honey. In the beginning, right? But he says, when they created man, he says, we create man in our image, right? So I'm not here to tell you you're all little gods, but I am here to tell you that when you were made, God made you with similar qualities of what he has. And so when God says that God so loves the world that he gave his only son, right? That generosity, that spirit is in each and every one of us. Put your hand on your heart and say, I'm generous because I'm like my daddy. <laughs> I'm like my daddy. When we were made as human beings, even people that don't know Christ can be generous, don't you think? Right? But how much more so do you think people that know the Father, that know what we've been given through Jesus Christ, there's this generosity that's, that flows out of us, and it's really fun. And so we're going to talk about this for the next few weeks at Kingdom Generosity. So I encourage you to get early, get the best seats. Like, I don't know, man, you guys should be fighting over this table right here. You guys have the best seats in the house. Well, these guys are pretty good over here, too. <laughs> The next few weeks, we're going to be talking about kingdom generosity. And really, I want to tell you, it's a core value of Epicenter Church. We want to be, are you with me? We want to be that church. I'll tell you a story. When I was in Sox Center in Minnesota, I was a, I was a pastor there. Jody and I were there for, uh, I think, almost nine years. And uh, it was my first church where I was a lead pastor. And so I had been an associate. I'd been a youth pastor. I'd been all these other things. And this was the first church. I was coming into town. And we came into a situation where the church was pretty dysfunctional. Uh, <laughs> she laughs because I'm being nice. It was rather dysfunctional. There was a lot of weirdness. There was all these things that had happened. And, you know, we, we were in this little building on the edge of town. It had been there, what, 75 years. And they'd gone through 36 pastors in 75 years. One of the pastors had escaped in the night. Didn't even tell anybody. He just took <laughs> off. Got to church Sunday morning and goes, where's pastor? He's sailing down the road, man. Enough of that spot. I'm out of here. You know. So we come into town and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the people we have and I, there's, they're good people. There's just, it's, it's gotten weird. You know what I'm saying? 
So I asked God, I said, Lord, what is it that you want us to do? And I said, help us to reach this town. It's a town about 3,000, but it was the county seat. So, you know, bigger area around there. But completely insignificant. We'd talk, I'd go through town as the new pastor, and I'd say, hey, you ever heard of this name of the church? And I'll mind you, 3,000, small town in the middle of central Minnesota. And people would look at me and go, what? What church? I'd say, you know, River of Life Church is down there on the, off of 2nd Street. And they'd be like, there's a church there? <laughs> now I can see if it's Chicago or even Gurnee or something, you know, these bigger towns. But a town of 3,000, and we're totally insignificant, right? And I'm like, God, what do you want us to do? How, how do you want us to reach our city? How do you, what do you, because I'm here, and, I'm, and I know a lot of you are this way too. Like, I don't want to waste my time. Like, if I'm going to be here, let's do something for the kingdom, right? Let's make some, some inroads. Let's get some people saved. Let's do some, let's do some carnage to the, to the kingdom of darkness, right? So I said, God, what do you want us to do? And he began to tell me and show me some things. And uh, one of the first things that happened, there was a, a family in town, a Catholic family, nothing to do with our church whatsoever. It's a Catholic family, and the dad is a farmer, and he had been backing up a tractor one day, and horrible, horrible, he backs over one of his kids and kills him. I mean, just, you know. And I really felt like God quickened my heart, and he said, listen, I want you to bless those people. So we contacted them, and of course, they're going through massive grief and all this horrible stuff, and we said, hey, listen, we're... River of Life Church, we're over here on 2nd Street. You probably never heard of us, but we're over here. I said, is it, would you let us bring you meals every night for the next two weeks? Was it two weeks or was it more than that? Maybe three or four weeks. But I said, would you let us bring meals to you guys? We don't, we just, we'll just come, drop it off, and then we'll leave. And they were just, yeah, they, I mean, they were shell-shocked, as you can imagine, just horrible. So for two, three weeks, I forget what it was, we just, we organized the church. I said, listen, let's give. And here's what I want to do. Don't just give them cruddy meals. I want you to make really good meals. And I want you to go and take it to them. And every day we're just going to drop off a meal. We're going to be, we're going to take what we have and we're going to give to someone else, right? <laughs> Can you imagine what happened in town after not too many weeks? All of a sudden, a name of our church would come up, River of Life. And they would look at us and they go, Oh, you're that church. Because as we began to bless and we began to be generous, it, the, the word got out. There was another family totally not associated with our church whatsoever, and their basement had flooded, and it was one of those really bad ones, you know, it's really gross. And we had some people that we said, hey, listen, let's go help them clean their basement. So a bunch of us from our church just showed up at these people's house, and they're looking at us like, what are you doing here? And said, well, we're from River of Life Church, and you know what? We just want to help you clean your basement. Would you let us help you do that? How many of you had a stinky basement and a bunch of people showed up and said, hey, could we help you with this? Would you let us? You would say yes, <laughs> right? So we got in there, rolled up our sleeves, a bunch of people, and we made the thing look immaculate. So now we're not in town for very long, and two things we've done as a church. And do you know that that actually lasted for years, we would have people say, River of Life, you're the guys that showed up at that basement that one day. You're the guys that brought those meals. You're the church that did that. Now, how many of you know that we did more damage to the kingdom and we did more awesome work in, through two events of giving of ourselves than all the preaching and all the services and everything we, we could have done in months and even years, right? So that's what I want to talk about for the next couple of weeks. 
How about if we began to be the church that gave way more than what people expected? What if we began to be the church that people would look at us and go, you're the guys that, da, 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 da. oh, Epicenter Church, I get it. You're, you're the ones that did this. You're the ones that gave this. You're the ones that, that blessed and ministered to that family. How many would raise your hand and say, you want to be involved in that kind of church? Okay, the rest of you can just get up and leave because <laughs> it's going to get really uncomfortable for you <laughs> over the next few weeks. I'm just kidding. You can stay, but I want you to change. So let's try it again. How many of you want to be in that kind of church? Raise your hand. Yeah, come on. <laughs> All right. So here's what I want us to do today. Actually, <laughs> I could probably preach on this topic for a couple of months because there is so much. The more we dig in to the Word of God, say this with me. God, God is not, not stingy. stingy. Say it again all together. God is not stingy. One more time. God is not stingy. Oh, folks, I think one of the most diabolical things in the world is when churches move into religion and religion moves in to selfishness and self-centeredness. Religion begins to be about what can the church do for me instead of what can I do through and with my church to change my world. Because I'm pretty sure God wants to change our world. Anybody agree with me on that? I'm pretty sure he wants to use us to be the kind of people that other people say, wow. You know? That should be our goal, shouldn't it? That we live our life, people look at us and go, wow. Pretty cool. But the problem is, if you've been in church for any amount of time, I can almost guarantee you, every church split, every problem, every offshoot church that's ever left another church or people that have left another church, I can almost say unequivocally, 100% of the time, it has to do with selfishness. I mean, some of you are nodding your heads because you've been down this road with me and before me. It's just selfishness. You know, I, you know of course, you've heard churches where people actually leave a church or there's a church split because they can't agree on the color of the carpet. Yep. I don't know, I think I told you this, but my first youth pastor gig, the carpet <laughs> was orange shag. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Saturday nights before church the next day, actual rakes. Like, there were wooden rakes. We had to take through the whole thing, right? And I remember thinking, man, I don't know who, what committee chose this. But let's not put them on any more committees. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> let's just do that. And, and I, I thought to myself, I thought, man, if anything would char- start a church split, this carpet would start a church split. You know what I'm saying? But I love that church because it was one of those churches where people just loved each other. Who cares if we got orange shag? We're loving Jesus, right? And I love that about us because I feel like we're a church on a mission, aren't we? We're a church that has said, listen, we believe God wants us to be the epicenter of what he's doing in this region. It doesn't make us special. It just makes us on a mission, right? God has given us a purpose and something to do. And, and the last thing we want to do is, is be unlike our Father. In other words, the last thing we want to do is be stingy when he is generous. If he's not stingy, we shouldn't be stingy, right? Wow, that's a good point, Pastor Steve. You should keep preaching that. Awesome, I will. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> So here's what I want to do. I want to propose to you something today. I think we have this on a slide if you throw this up. 
I want to propose to you today that God desires to change our world through the generosity of his sons and daughters. There it is. You've heard the phrase, to whom much is given, much is required. One of the things we're going to look at is one of the reasons that God wants to bless you, and he does. He wants to bless you. He wants to show favor and abundance on each and every one of our lives. Here's what I heard Ian Carroll say this one time. I think it's in his book, too. He says that I, he, he said this, I want every single person in my church to be a millionaire. Any, anybody want to be a millionaire? <laughs> like, like, here's the thing. Religion has made us think that if we are in poverty or in lack, and if, you know, that somehow if we don't have a lot of stuff, that we're being really spiritual. I want to tell you, the most spiritual you can be is multiplied, blessed, favored, and have abundance in your life. I believe that's what God has for us. Really. I don't know what verses you're reading that says God wants to keep you poor and, and, and limited and lacking. Because as we're going to look at over the next couple of weeks, I believe God wants to bless us and give us abundance so that he can grow his kingdom through us. Amen? Wow. Okay. So here's the thing. I believe he wants to change our world through the generosity of his sons and daughters. <laughs> Do you ever have a... I know, where's Willie? Willie's in the back. He does our finances. When you're doing your, your checkbook or if you're a business, a lot of times you'll have, you'll have expenses and you'll have income, right? But then there's also an account called in and out, right? You know what I'm talking about? Money comes in, money goes out. You don't really do anything with that money. You just, as soon as it comes in, you, you take it, you spend it. In a lot of ways, I think that's what God wants to do with us. He wants to bless us and give us favor and abundance, but not so that we can hold on to it and drive Ferraris, <laughs> He wants to bless us so we have good things, and then he wants us to in and out, almost like it comes in and we give it out. Like, like how fast can we bless other people? How quick can I take, turn this around and, and, and bless somebody else, right? Okay, some of you are looking at me with a little quizzical look on your face. We'll, we'll get to this in a second. Generosity is fun. Just yesterday, I was listening to the radio, and uh, how many of you are following the NBA playoffs? Anybody, basketball fans? Okay, five, six of us, good. Um, the rest of you, let me just give you a little information. There's a basketball team in San Antonio called the San Antonio Spurs, and they've been a great basketball team for a long time. And they have this coach named Greg Popovich. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Greg Popovich. He's a great coach. He's, one, he's the third all-time win, winningest coach in the NBA history, blah, blah, blah. The other night, they had a seven-game series. It was the first-round series of the playoffs, and his team won the first-round playoff series, and they're moving on to the next round. Well, that night that they won it, I think it was on Thursday night, they go to a restaurant with, I think, some of the staff and a few of the players, and they go to this restaurant, and they order a few hundred dollars worth of food and whatever, you know, and they're just kind of celebrating over dinner. And then I don't know what is going on. I don't know if he's a Christian or what, but Greg Popovich goes to pay the bill, and so it's a few hundred dollar bill, and he writes a tip to the waitress for $5,000. Yeah. So a couple hundred dollars. Like what percentage? Of, that's like, you know, a thousand percent tip or something, you know, like some huge number. And so the bill is five or, you know, maybe let's say five or six hundred and the tip is 5000 Now, here's, it's gone viral. I don't know if you want to look this up. You'll, I guess it's gone viral in this whole thing. But I just want to imagine, like, if I'm Greg Popovich and I'm sitting there and I write a check for 5000 to the, the, the waitress, 
Aren't you just smiling on the inside? Right? How many of you have over-tipped before? Anybody over-tipped on purpose? Right? How many have ever tipped 100%? Raise your hand. Anybody ever tipped 100%? <laughs> do, you, do you just kind of sit there and wait for the waitress to catch your eye or something? Right? Because you're just like, yeah, that's really fun for you and it's really fun for me. Right? Everybody's smiling. Right? And I believe that generosity is one of those things. So here's what I want you to do. Take five minutes at your table and I want you just to share some generosity stories, like time when you were generous to somebody else. Not when somebody was generous to you, but when you were generous to somebody else and what you felt and what was the context of it, okay? So five minutes, just take a few minutes each, and, uh, and then we'll come back, all right?
Okay, one minute. One minute. How many of you that was fun sharing some generosity stories? How many of you think that's fun? And isn't it fun to hear other people's generosity stories too? It just kind of, I don't know about you, but when I hear good stories like that, it kind of inspires me and gets me kind of pumped up. I want to tell you something. Do you know that the Bible mentions prayer or praying 289 times? It mentions love 363 times. And give or giving 1,043 times. <laughs> I think sometimes we get a little off track a little bit. Because how many of you know if the Bible, if God, through his word, he chooses to address something a whole bunch of times, how many of you have a good feeling it probably needs to be addressed, right? Because <laughs> here's my thing. As human beings, we like to be generous, but we struggle with our generosity sometimes, don't we? Yeah? Sometimes my first inclination is not to give, it's to hold on. I wish I wasn't that way. But I am. I'll be honest with you. You know? I, I mean, just sometimes it comes up in the, like God will show me things in the littlest things. Like I'm handing out <laughs> chicken nuggets to my kids, and instead of just giving them all the nuggets, I want to take one. Or two. Or ten. You know, whatever. <laughs> And, and, then, and then the Holy Spirit will go, oh, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, here, take all the nuggets. I'll, you know, there'll be way more. I don't even, I'm not sure they're chicken, but just take them, you know. <laughs> they taste good when they're warm, but when they get cold, they're horrible. <laughs> but I, and I struggle with that sometimes, you know. How many of you want to be more generous? You know, because here's the thing. We're going to talk about this for the next few weeks. But one of the things we can always pray is to be more like Jesus. I don't know about you, but when I read the Gospels, I don't see stingy. I see giving. I see blessing, you know? Man. In fact, he blesses people that don't even really know or deserve it, right? Takes some kid's lunch, turns it around, boom. Feeding this massive crowd. You kind of get a feeling he was smiling when he did that. I do. I kind of get the feeling Jesus like... I know I'm the son of God and everything, but that was awesome what I just did right there. That was so much fun, you know. Like, I just get the feeling, like, it, when he's healing people on the Sabbath and all these different things he did, you know, healing blind eyes, and the guy starts jumping around, I'm sure he's back there going, sweet, that was so awesome. I, let's, hey, guys, let's go over here and do that again, you know. Like, like, there was this giving to Jesus. And, of course, God the Father, we see this time and time again throughout Scripture, God wants to give, and, and I just want to be more like him. That prayer I told you that I've been having the last few weeks, Lord, I want to see things I'm not seeing, right? 
I want to hear things that I'm not, that I haven't heard before or that I'm not hearing. I want to get in sync and in harmony. And if you're generous, man, God, I want to, I want to be generous. The kingdom is made up of people. We are kingdom people. We're made up of kingdom people living out a kingdom mandate, and it requires kingdom generosity, doesn't it? Amen? So, take your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. This is going to be a foundational verse for us, our chapter for us for the next few, next few weeks here, maybe probably three or four weeks. And for many of you, it's, it's familiar. It's a passage that has been spoken many times. When churches are trying to get money out of people, (laughs) I want to tell you right up front, yeah, we could probably use more money, but God has told us he's going to provide, so I'm not worried about it. As we go through these next few weeks, I want to tell you something, and this is a promise from me to you. I care more about you than I do about your money, okay? This church, we care more about you than we do about your money. Because God's going to provide for us no matter what. But what I want for you and for myself is to understand that the process of being generous is actually life transforming. It actually changes us. And so if we move from being stingy to generous, our hearts actually change. My relationship with God actually changes, all right? And so in the word here, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, I want you to, I want you to, we're not, we're not trying to get money out of you. We're trying to see what God will do through us to change our world. Amen? Okay? So 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Let's read it. It says this. Remember this. (laughs) Don't you like when somebody starts like that? Remember this. It's almost as if they put up their finger and go, make a note. It's almost like when Jesus would say, verily, verily, I say unto you, or truly, truly. This is Paul, and he's saying, listen, remember this. Make a big note of this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This is really a kingdom principle that we're talking about. If you have an opportunity to underline it in your Bible or to highlight it in your digital stuff, I would encourage you to do that. Because the kingdom principle is this, that if, that if I will learn to sow... My life, my resources, my time, my money, everything that I am. If I will learn how to sow that, to, to give of myself. Now, when, when a farmer or a gardener, whoever, is sowing seed, what is he doing? He's taking something of his and he's releasing it, isn't he? In those days, they didn't have, you know, planters and spreaders and all that kind of stuff. It would be a guy with a bag of seed and he would take it, and he would, you'd see him. You've seen pictures of this. The guy would, and they would just throw it, and the seed would, would just go all out. Have you ever tried to pick up seeds? Like, have you ever spilled any and tried to pick them up? It's not an easy task, is it? <laughs> you know, you're down there with this. You're trying to pick them up one at a time, you know. See, the thing about being a sower is you can't worry about what happens to the seed. You have to just let it go. <laughs> And you have to do it freely, don't you? Because if you have regret, what are you going to do? Get on your hands and knees and dig on down and pick them up big one by one? No, you don't want to do that. You sow. And the Bible here tells us what? Sow generously. And you will what? Reap generously. See, the thing about seeds is interesting, isn't it? One little tiny seed. In the center of your table, there's a, 
sunflower seeds. These are probably not the plantable kind, but they represent the seeds of our lives. If you take one seed, let's, okay, let's say these are replantable sunflower seeds. You ever seen a sunflower plant? I'm talking about? So you take a seed and you plant it, and the thing begins to grow up, and what happens when that thing comes to bloom? It's huge. It's also packed full of what? More seeds. So one seed turns into literally probably thousands of seeds, right? And this is the principle that God is trying to get us to understand. I really believe this. That if we will stop being stingy with the money and the things that God has given us, and we will freely sow them and release them and let things go, we actually are investing in a huge harvest that's going to come back to us. Now, some people have taken this and twisted it and, you know, evangelists and TV guys and whatever trying to make money. We're we're not doing that. What I'm trying to get us to understand is that if we will take what God gives us and begin to sow it back into the kingdom and be kingdom generous, the... (laughs) Take, for instance, that little pot in the middle of your table. What if every one of those seeds we actually planted? How many sunflower seeds would we have in a few months? Could you imagine? Like if you, seriously, if you took that, planted it, they grew up in the next few months, and we harvested it, and we brought those seeds back to your table, what would, what would it look like? Seriously, it would be a mound of seeds on your table. So this little handful of seeds would turn into this massive amount of seeds on your table which we then would do what? We'd take them and plant them again, and then what we'd have? I'd get this mental picture, like this whole room, this massive, huge pile of seeds, right? See, that's the kingdom. God says, listen, if you will sow sparingly, if you just do a little bit, you're just going to reap a little bit. But if you will give generously and sow generously, you'll end up with a massive harvest. And it's interesting because God, in many ways, is waiting for you and I. I'll talk about this a little bit. We're not going to get to everything this morning. So. But there is one principle I want to just, I want to, I want to, I want to give you today. And uh, it's called the if-then principle. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to just write this down. If-then principle. See, the Bible is filled with principles that aren't necessarily stated in so many words, but they're there. And let me give you an example. The if-then principle in Scripture is literally from cover to cover. And it goes like this. If I will do this, then God is obligated to do this. But if I don't do this, then God's under no obligation to do anything more. He's literally waiting on us to do some things. So I'll give you some example. In First Chronicles 7.14 is a famous prayer passage. And what does it say? If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, what? Then will I hear from heaven. See, the problem is that we expect heaven to hear us, but we're not doing our part of the deal. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then God says, you release me to do these great things in your life, okay? Keep going. In in this passage that we just read, if you sow this way, you will reap this way. So it's if you do this, then this is going to happen, right? Matthew, Jesus says in 6.33, If you seek first the kingdom of God, what? Right. 
then he's going to do all these great things, right? But here's the thing. We expect God to do his part, but we're not doing our part. If then, God says in Hebrews, if you draw near to me, you know the rest of it? Then I will draw near to you. He's in point. If I seek God with all my heart, he says what? You'll find me. But if you don't seek me, you're going to stumble around a little bit. I'll be there, but it won't be in the way you really want. Noah, if you'll build the boat, then I will save you and your family. Moses, if you will throw your staff down, then it will become a snake. And if we then pick it up, what? It'll become a rod again. And if you take that same rod and touch it on the Red Sea, guess what? Then I'm going to show up and part the waters. If you do this, then I'll do that. Joshua, if you march around Jericho, then the walls will all come down. Peter, if you step out of the boat, then you're going to walk on water. How many other disciples walked on water that day? How many other disciples walked on water? None. The only one was the if-then guy. (laughs) Peter puts his leg out over the water, and if he comes walking to Jesus, Jesus says, then you're going to walk on the water and be one of the only humans in all of history that ever did that very miracle. Jesus put the boy and the fishes in the loaf. He says to the boy, if you will give your loaves and fishes, then I will do a miracle. 120 in the upper room after Jesus went back up to heaven. If you will wait in the upper room, what? Then the Holy Spirit's going to show up. Do you see what we're talking about? Literally from cover to cover, if then. So here's my, here's my thing. God is waiting for you and I. He's waiting for you and I. You remember the, the parable that Jesus uh, shared about uh, with the, well, he did it a couple of times, actually several times, parables of his, where he would be the master, and he, let's take the talents, for instance, the parable of the talents. He gets these three guys, and he says, listen, depending on the different versions, 10, 5, and 1, or 5, 3, and 1, he says, I'm going to give you these different amounts of talents, and then what does he do? Does he stay right there with them? No, what does the master do? He says, here's these talents. Now I'm going to go away for a while. And what's the point? Why does he do that? Anybody? Why did God go away? Why did the master go away after giving them the talents? Any ideas? Right? He wants to see what we're going to do with what he gives us. (laughs) See, some people don't really want to hear this message primarily because We want to keep all the stuff he gives us and do whatever we want with it and not have to sow anything. We just want to keep it, right? And God is not like that. He says, listen, I'm going to, and it's almost a test, really. Everybody, we'll just use money as an example right now. Just take out your wallet, everybody. Just touch it, whatever. If you don't have any cash on you, touch your iPhone or whatever, your digital. Just touch it. Go ahead. Just grab it. If you want to pull it out. I'm going to tell you something. This is a test. This is a test. It is. He's given you resources. He's given you jobs. He's given you all these different things. And and you're in a test. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to sow and reap generously? Or are you going to sow just a little bit? Some people would say this, but I have nothing to give. 
Turn to the person you and say, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> well, you know, sometimes, I, you know, I live in America just the same as you, and I'm trying to raise four godly kids. And my kids, yeah, and my kids sometimes feel a little entitled, right? Except for Sam. He's in the room right now. Except for him, all the rest of them, the girls, right? See, one of the challenges is my kids will say, I'm starving. Really? That's exactly right. I'm starving. No, you're not starving. And then they always want to go to McDonald's. They want to go to Burger King. They want to go to all these places, right? And they say, we don't have any food at home. Have you ever heard this? Your parents, you ever hear this? We don't have any food at home. Really? Because I'm about to give you dry macaroni right now, and you're going to eat it, right? <laughs> so sometimes perspective is a great thing. That's why I encourage people to go on mission trips. I know, I know the Chutos have been on many mission trips. They're international. And if you were to talk to them, they would say there are parts of this world where people not only don't have a lot, but they're actually really generous. Out of their poverty, they actually want to give more. If you read this passage on chapters 8 and 9, we're not going to go into it today, but I want to just encourage you with, to go back and read because the context of this passage we're reading is that people are literally, there's, there, there, there's a testimony of people that out of their poverty... They're actually begging to give to the church in Jerusalem who's going through a famine at the time. The, the poverty people, the really poor people, are actually the most generous because they're actually, out of their in, like nothingness, they are begging for the chance to give more. <laughs> and I would just say, God, give me that heart. That's the heart I want. Amen? There's a, a phrase that uh, I ran into not too long ago. It's from uh, Urban Meyer. I don't know if you know. He's the coach for uh, Ohio State. He's been a college football coach for a long time. And one of his quarterbacks, Alex Smith, was talking about his coach who he had in college. And he said, I've never forgotten this one phrase that Urban Meyer said to me. And it's inspired him to become a better quarterback and keep working and doing all these things. And the phrase was this. If you want something you don't have, you need to change what you're doing. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, I have that prayer. Lord, help me to hear things I'm not hearing, and help me to see things I'm not seeing. If you're sitting here today, and maybe you struggle with giving or being generous and these kind of things, you know, maybe it's time we change what we're doing. If you're constantly struggling with resources or, or finances or, or you know, not having enough, maybe you're not giving enough. Maybe you're reaping sparingly because you've sowed sparingly. Are you tracking me? Now, again, it's not necessarily all about money. It is about money, I think, for most of us because we're not raising sheep and goats and, <laughs> you know, raising wheat and all this kind of stuff. Our, money, our stuff comes through our money. So here's my encouragement to you today as we close. However God tells you to do it, whether it's to give to the church, which I encourage everybody to do, but maybe there's other areas. Maybe God is going to speak to you this week to say, Tip that waitress 100%. Tip that waitress 100%. Or maybe, this is really fun, I think Jody did this the other day. Maybe you're standing in the grocery line, and God will quicken you, and he'll say, 
buy the groceries for the person right behind you. And what's our first response? Well, God, I, I don't have the money. I don't know what I'm going to do. Sow generously, reap generously. Here's, my, here's my, my encouragement to you this week. Sow, sow, sow. And don't sow, sow, sow. <laughs> yeah, I thought of that one all myself. Thank you very much. <laughs> I want you to sow with an exclamation point, right? Sow, sow, sow. Sow into our world. Sow into family. Sow into the church. Sow into whatever God lays in front of you. Because here's the thing. I love that song, Shannon, that we sang at the end. Like, when you speak, what? We want to hear. What are you saying? What, how are you challenging me right now? So I just want to close your eyes just for a second as we close today. I want you just to close your eyes and... Here's the thing. Go ahead and trust God. Go ahead and just, maybe you could just tell him right now in your own way. Just say, Lord, I trust you with enough. If you call me to sow money or time or resources or things I have into somebody else or some other thing, Lord, I know that you're going to come through. I can trust you with the harvest if you will trust me with the sowing. Lord, trust me with the sowing. Hmm. So, so just ask him, say, Lord, what would you, what would you have me do this week? And just see what he says. Just give you a minute or so. Hmm. All right. If God told you something, I encourage you to write it down. Because then we're telling God, I honor what you're telling me. I honor what I hear you saying. And even if you're not exactly sure, I would just encourage you, go ahead and do it. <laughs> Parents, do you ever tell your kids this? What's the worst that could happen? Right? What's the worst that could happen? Being generous? What's the worst that could happen? You feel good, they feel good, and we give God a chance to bring a mighty harvest into our life. Sounds like a win-win deal, doesn't it? I don't think most of us are going are gonna to lose being more generous and sowing seeds. So I just want to encourage you with that. In fact, I want to bless you. And uh, why don't you just put your hands out like this. Just rece- I want you to get a receiving position, like, like I'm going to throw something at you and you're going to catch it, all right? I want to bless you today. I want to bless you in three areas. Lord, right now, I bless and I declare over your people that our hearts would become more generous, that we would become more like you in how we use our resources and our talents, the things that you trusted us with. Lord, I pray right now, and I bless your people to have generous hearts that where, where there maybe has been little, that the generosity would begin to grow in us, and we would see things we hadn't seen, and we would hear things we hadn't heard. I bless your people with generous hearts. Lord, I also bless every single person in this room, myself included, that, God, we would have seed-sowing opportunities this week. 
that we would have seed sowing opportunities this week, like there would be chances for us and we would see them coming almost, they would be sparkling. There would be like a light around them. It would be something that it wouldn't even take much discernment in our spirit, but somehow an event or, an, or a situation or somebody in our life, they would be, uh, it would be so apparent and so real and so powerful that we would have seed sowing opportunities and be obedient to that. To be obedient to that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now take your hands and just receive it. <laughs> oh, God, we receive it. We receive it. We receive it today. <laughs> I'm going to close with a couple things, two things. I want to give you a quote. Uh, how many of you remember Stormin Norman uh, General Schwarzkopf? You remember him from the Desert Storm? Anybody? Any older people? <laughs> I like it when I talk about stuff that's a little bit older, and the young people go, <laughs> they're just looking at me like, what? Norman Schwarzkopf was the general for the United Forces at the Desert Storm way back, uh, way back in the 90s, you know. And I'll never forget, it. He, sa- he said this quote one time. He said, the truth of the matter is that you always know the right thing to do. The hard part is doing it, right? See, the hard part for us mostly isn't that we don't know what to do. We just don't want to do it, right? Or we have a trouble doing it. But here's the thing. I have declared over you that God is going to give you courage. He's going to give you strength. He's going to give you thoughts and ideas that you never had before. I just declare favor this week on you in this area of sowing and blessing. And that it isn't going to be hard to do because we are so tuned in to what he's saying, right? That we will know the right thing to do and we will move on ahead into obedience. Amen? Amen. So I have a couple of people that are keep nodding at me. They're like, <laughs> they're waving the, the, the offering bags. <laughs> I mean, Pastor, you're talking about all this money, but you haven't done anything with it. Okay, now I'm going to give you a chance. So if you want to give in the offering, if you want to do your tithe, which is 10%, and then any offerings on top of that to bless the kingdom, I want to encourage you to do that. You... Uh, Let's go ahead and put the, well, actually, that's a great quote. I was going to use that one next week, but I'll go ahead and do it this week. <laughs> I love that Joel Osteen, he, he, uh, he said this one time. He said, the seed will lead. <laughs> you know, must do it, right? That it's not something we wait for the harvest. We actually have to put something into the harvest, amen? And so go ahead and do that. If you want to give online, there's a kiosk in the back. You can also do a smartphone through Secure Give if you want to download that app. Or go to our website. It's a really easy way to do that. Um, if you want to do, you can also mail it in this week. All right? Five ways to give. So go ahead and do that and give hilariously. Hilariously. <laughs> we'll get to that next week. All right. All right, good. We all give up. All right, ushers, now bring it back to the table and let's do it again. I'm just, just kidding. That's right. <laughs> Amen. Why don't we stand one more time? I want to do one declaration as we, as we leave here today. It's what faith declaration that we, we do often around here. And uh, we have several declarations. This is faith declaration number one. If you want to throw that up there, Mr.